Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. A lot to get to. We'll start with the president. Uh, there's a little uh, controversy going on right now, but yesterday, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, and he was out speaking and highlighting how far we've come as a country. You know, Supreme Court Justice, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. No, Thurgood Marshall. Um, a great story that he could highlight as far as how far we've come, right? Yeah. John, John Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Our Supreme Court Justice. Good. Boy, he has a heck of a time, doesn't Did he? Did he say Katanji drown? Drone Jackson? Or Drown? I what thought was? it was Drown, actually. Katanji Drown Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, man? One of these days, he's going to call her Jumanji. It's very possible. And it's going to be hilarious. Yes. Well, he struggled there mightily many times before. Katanji, well, you saw her. Yeah. yeah, you saw her? Why do I have to say her name? Whatever. She's one of those people with weird names. That's Joe Biden because he's a racist old old man. Well, he does have a problem with different names. Well, he was trying to sing happy birthday yesterday. Yeah. Happy birthday, dear Alan. <laughs> Who? Who was he wishing a happy birthday to again? <laughs> it's Martin Luther King's daughter-in-law. Oh, that's right. Dolly. I forgot about her. Yeah. <laughs> you see, Newsweek magazine said that Republicans were just making this an issue now with Joe Biden. They were victimizing him because he forgot the name. Oh, please. I know. I know, right? You've got to be joking me I'm on not that. Joking. Who said that? Newsweek painted Biden as a victim of ridicule after people mocked his happy birthday singing yesterday. Dude, the... Again, it happens all the time. Katanji, well, you saw her. Yeah, you saw her, that lady. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's just that one time he had that little slip. John, Kajan, Katanji drowned Jackson. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Whatever. Well, and Repu- He's fine. And, and, and he remembered where all the classified documents were, right. okay? <laughs> and Republicans don't ridicule. They pounce. Right. They pounce. Oh, they seize. Or they thrust. Or yes. they seize. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thrusting was new thrusting, last week. Right. That yes. was because uh, Republicans are thrusting yeah. gas stoves into the culture right. war. Yes. Yeah, I saw that. But they pounced on Joe yeah. Biden. So, so we pounce, we seize, we thrust. Got it. Yes. And we forget names. That happens, too. My, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Yeah, him. You know, that guy. He's black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the defense secretary. Whatever his name. Lloyd Austin. Yeah, whatever. Uh, you know him. He's uh, the guy. That is the thing. If that's any Republican, seriously, oh. though, he does tend to forget the names more frequently of people who are not white. It is. Yes. I, or I'm, butchering the names. Javier Bacaria. Right. <laughs> like he's forgotten Lloyd Austin's name uh, like yes. a dozen times. Uh-huh. And, yeah, Javier Becerra's name is Javier Bacaria. Katanji Brown-Jackson is Justice. Well, you saw her over there. Barack Obama was President My Boss. Yeah. It, it, it's because Joe Biden's racist and he thinks all black people look the same. <laughs> I mean, under the leadership of mayors like... Uh, you know, our mayor here. <laughs> you know, whoever that, that, that is. That guy. It doesn't matter. What? 
Republicans pounce because one time, <laughs> one time, he messed up a name. Give him a break already, okay? John, Katanji drowned Jackson. Yeah, you know the thing. Okay, more on that. <laughs> and the whole I, I, classified documents. I, I had not heard that until right now. I know. I am flummoxed. <laughs> Katanji flummoxed. drowned Jackson. <laughs> Yeah, he's fine, though. Mentally fit. It's on the screen in front of him. Yes. It happens. Then happy birthday. Belated. Golly dang, man. Let's talk vaccines. Uh, The CDC announced something. It was a data drop this past Friday. Yeah, we got new information on Friday afternoon about the COVID vaccine that Pfizer's updated booster was linked to an increased risk of stroke in people over the age of 65. So it was 132 strokes. Nobody uh, died as a result of the stroke, but 132 strokes out of 550,000 patients. Um, Hmm. And so Dr. Marty McCary was on Tucker Carlson's show and says, well, this seems to track with some of the other studies that have been done. Yeah. If you remember, in September, we had a big study come out that showed that the incidence of complications, severe adverse events, not just lying in, in bed, was one in 800, and the German study said it was one in 5,000. Now, I'm not saying pull the vaccine from the market, but we've pulled vaccines for frequencies of adverse events far less common than we're seeing with the COVID vaccine. Rotavirus was pulled for a complication rate of one in 10,000, and the uh, swine flu vaccine was pulled for a complication rate of one in 100,000. Wow. Mm. I notice a lot of the... Well, news outlets, as far as legacy media, wasn't leading with that. That's good information I think people would want to know. So um, there's clearly something there. The way to increase public trust is to be totally honest and transparent and show us the underlying data set. Instead, the CDC has said, look, we ran other statistical tests, and in the other statistical tests, we didn't see the complication play out. But you don't just run statistical test after test until one of them shows uh, that the signal goes away. You actually run the proper statistical test, which is why the underlying data set should be public information. It's a scandal. They were suppressing information. And that is the left. That was the CDC. It was Pfizer. It was Moderna. And really, most people in the United States still don't know to what extent. Yeah. Because we don't have a real news media. I know we say that all the time, but it's true. They're running cover for these people. Yeah. The the amazing thing, too, with this, as I, as I read what Dr. McCary has been saying, as I read what uh, people who would disagree with him are saying, and, and then you look at some of the conclusions of studies done in Europe on mm-hmm. the COVID vaccine. It is not as damaging as you might think it would be. I mean, it's not. It, it, there, there are some, uh, by which I mean the vaccine, there are actually uh, some drawbacks to it, obviously. But it does make me wonder, what else are you hiding when you want to suppress things that don't actually look as devastating on the surface as you're acting like they are? Agreed. But that's the thing. If you're just trying to find out what the truth is, no matter what it is, you just want to know. You don't have some sort of agenda. But when you cover things up, it makes everyone think that you have some sort of agenda. 
Because if you didn't, why would you cover it up? You're just honest with people. Yeah. Well, we thought there would be a whole lot of vaccine hesitancy if these numbers came out. Well, yeah, be honest with people. But I guess then you would have run into a lot of problems saying, well, we got to mandate this thing, which was one of the huge mistakes. Well, and, and even at the very beginning, remember all these people on the left saying, well, we, we're not going to mandate it. Yeah. I mean, we've never done that before. That's not something we're going to do. There's no money in questioning. No, I mean, and that's why you think, yeah. well, that was that was all about this was a money, the money. grab. Of yes, it was. of course, no, yeah. definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. Right. Until Remember that yeah. before they did. Yeah, of course. OK, this is a hilarious story. Switching gears. Who hosted a panel on yeah. disinformation at the World Economic Forum? Former CNN anchor Brian Stelter. No. Yeah. No. One one of the chief regime propagandists, yes. Brian Stelter, the guy who was a media watchdog, who always... And that's when the tears came. Of course. Right, yeah. Was it a forum on creating disinformation? No. Well, it could have been based on the yeah. people who were there, but uh, he was hosting a panel on disinformation, and here's part of the conversation he had with A.G. Uh, Sulzberger, the chairman of the failing New York Times. How does this discussion of disinformation relate to everything else happening here today in Davos? So I, th I think if you look at, at um, this question of disinformation, I think it maps basically to every other major challenge that we are grappling with as a society, and particularly the most existential among them. So disinformation... Okay, stop right there. This is, this, this is so full of and baloney. Trust, stop that guy. Hold on a second, because the whole thing about disinformation and why it's so important to the global leaders, the global elite at the World Economic Forum. So people that are actually telling the truth get shut down. They put the disinformation label mm -hmm. on them because it gets in the way of their goals. That's all it comes down to. Totally. And if it does, disinformation. Give me a break. Disinformation, what it attacks is trust. Yes. And once you see trust decline, uh, what you then see um, is uh, societies start to fracture. You know, if you're spending this week thinking about the health of democracies and democratic erosion, <laughs> I think it's really important to work your way back up to where this starts. So trust all the leaders that lied to you. Yes. And trust us in the media. Yeah. Well, and trust us. Yeah. The global elite. Yes. <laughs> the guy who, who runs the wow. New York Times that was the first one, as far as I can tell, that pushed the whole thing of uh, breakthrough cases with COVID vaccines, one in 5,000. And that was actually based off of some numerical guesswork that was done by one of the New York Times reporters. They never went and corrected the record. Uh, remember when we needed, what was it, 30,000 ventilators in the city of New York and all yes. that? Uh, that was because of the New York Times not doing math correctly. That was yeah, why. I remember that one. Um, that, I, I mean, look, you, then you talk about the fact that people won Pulitzer Prizes for pushing the Russian collusion hoax. You want to talk about disinformation? Dude, that call's coming from within the house, man. You got it. You got a clean house before you start saying, well, yeah, it's, it's grandma sharing disinformation memes on <laughs> Facebook. That's the person we got to worry about, and it's Alex Jones, and it's right-wing media. <laughs> Anybody remember the horse-whipping at the border thing? Of course. That you people pushed out there even though you knew it was fake? 
Yes. But, but it's right-wing media that's no. creating distrust and killing democracy. Yeah. No. We'll have more on the World Economic Forum coming up a little bit later. Bunch of knee slappers on that panel. Right. Golly. Um, somebody that had a bad day yesterday. That'd be Brett Marth, the kicker of the Dallas Cowboys. Don't know if you saw any of the game last night. It was a new record of missing four straight extra points. Yeah. Jeez. And he missed the last one in the game before. That was five in a row. I think it was Aikman last night saying, yeah, he he might be out of a job. Now the drama of Brett Maher trying to hit an extra point. He's missed three tonight, four in a row. And he has done it again. <laughs> they might be looking for a kicker next week. <laughs> and this is a 24 to nothing wow. game. That wow. is four missed extra points tonight. And you just feel horrible for him. Yeah. And he set a Cowboy record for like 50-plus field goals this year. Yeah. But it's, it's like the yips on the shorter one. Something yeah. happened. Something's going on. Yeah. I mean, I mean, wow. That's a thing, yeah. Remember, though, it, I mean, it's professional sports. If you remember, like, Rick Ankeel, the Cardinals pitcher who pitched his entire life from the time he was in Little League until pro ball and then all of a sudden couldn't throw a strike. Yes. Well, this guy wasn't hitting them, like, sideways. It was just missing, but still. He yeah. was missing them, though. Yes, that's it. And then it got into his head. Now, I don't yeah. know if he'll ever kick another one or not. Yeah, I, there are going to be tryouts, I'm sure. Yeah, there'll be a contest in Dallas today. <laughs> And is Brett, or Brett, Brett Brady, Tom Brady's career done? Sure yeah. looks like it. Mm-hmm. David, sorry you lost that bet, man. Ah, oh, that's all right. The Buccaneers, I mean, just save your time because Tom Brady is bringing his Buccaneers <laughs> and winning a Super Bowl. That was a week ago. Holy mackerel! Talk about are freezing you, are cold. Are you telling takes. me that it won't happen now? <laughs> Darn. News update straight ahead. <laughs> The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You know, the left keeps pushing its agenda. And when anybody stands up to say, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second, we're not doing this. You know what they say. Oh, you're just the people on the right just worried about a culture war. It's always about a culture war. You see this story out of Oregon, just outside of Portland, at Twaldy Middle School, the Tiger Twalton School District. The middle school students skipped class to watch First Day, a TV series about a 12-year-old boy who identifies as a girl. This was during Transgender Awareness Week Ah. back in November. Mm -hmm. So students skipped their last two class periods to watch the show's first two episodes. Uh, School said they will eventually play the entire series. They had a big PowerPoint presentation that was shown to the students. Uh, Daily Wire had this story that been talked about around Portland. Um, by the way, Transgender Awareness Week involves educating the public and standing up for and with trans people at the school. 
Is that what we're sending kids to school for? <clears throat> Apparently. Well, well, yeah, because the goal of education in many school districts and, and many people who are crafting curriculum is not about education. It's about creating many revolutionaries. Yes, be an activist. And, it, and in fact, the less actually educated you are, the better, because if you don't develop any sort of critical thinking skills, you're more easily controlled. Absolutely. And so, again, it's not just outside of Portland or in Oregon. It's all across the country. But, yeah, people are going to take hits for standing up and saying, no, we're not doing this, and pressuring school boards and fighting for change in those areas. But if you don't do it, it just keeps rolling. And they, it's not like they're going to stop doing stuff like this. Mm. I like the way sometimes they deflect and say, well, the students didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> So what? And so it's like, I wouldn't have either if I can get out of a class by watching a movie. I don't know, man. This is something you would like to see in middle school? If I didn't have to take a test, I'll watch anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's probably true. Uh, on a lighter note, see this as far as consumer news. Hotels are now charging 50 bucks to put your own stuff in a mini fridge? What? Yes. Somebody posted online that they stayed at a Marriott in Florida, and there was a sign on the mini fridge that said they'd be charged $50 if they put their own stuff in it. Said the refreshment center is on a sensor. Use of the refreshment center for personal storage will automatically incur a $50 charge. Jeez. What? Heck no. How, how hard up are you for cash? We're charging people to just use a mini fridge for a day. Well, you know, a lot of times, especially it depends on what kind of trip you're on. But, you know, you think about you got kids with you or it's, you know, a group of kids at some sporting event. You're there for the weekend and you're like, oh, my gosh, if we eat out all the time, it's going to cost us an arm and a leg. We're yeah. going to get, you know, a few groceries, keep it in here. But the hotel's not making any money that way. So this is a way to, I guess, to upcharge something. Maybe. Get a big cooler with the free ice. Just load that thing up every day. Yeah, no kidding. Well, maybe maybe the other thing was they had a problem with people leaving stuff in the fridge. That could be. And so they're like, well, if we charge people 50 bucks, then they're going to really think twice before they leave like a half-eaten sandwich in there. Remember when they used to stock the mini fridge? Oh, yeah. And, and some people thought it was complimentary yeah. until they were charged for it. <laughs> used to love to raid Robin's mini fridge. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing it was costing like crazy. God dang. That was fun. Okay. The Hunter Biden laptop. We're still talking about it. There's a big reason why. Next. Van Camp and Robbins show. I'm Jamie Markley, Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the millennial, and the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. Okay, so I don't know if you saw this talking about the Hunter Biden laptop. Anytime you bring up the Hunter Biden laptop, you know, some people are going to say, Man, I'm tired of hearing about this laptop. Who cares about Hunter Biden? Mm -hmm. Again, it's not so much to do with Hunter Biden, it has to do with his dad and the business dealings with other countries, other businesses. His dad and his uncle, talking about Hunter, that would be Jim Biden, and of course his dad Joe, benefiting 
from these relationships, these deals. It's in the laptop. If you remember, Joe Biden was, quote, the big guy getting 10%. That's what it's about. But that story got spiked, as we know, before the 2020 election. Why? Well, I think we know why now. I know why, yeah. Remember the 51 intelligence veterans who signed the letter suggesting, well, this is Russian disinformation. All the earmarks of a Russian information operation. Well, one of those guys, Douglas Wise, did an interview with the Australian and said, quote, all of us figured that a significant portion of that content had to be real. You know, to make any Russian disinformation credible. So, yeah, at least part of it's real. Yeah. Okay. Just that statement alone, from everything else we've heard about the 51 intelligence veterans, is that your takeaway from what they had said before? So this is the way that they've been kind of weaseling around this whenever any one of them gets gets, uh, asked about it. Mm-hmm. They say, well, in our letter, we never said it was dis- a disinformation campaign. We said it was an information campaign, uh, which would suggest that there may be some credible information, but we don't know if it was hacked. We don't know what was real and what was not. So they can say, well, you know, you look at the actual letter that we wrote, and we never actually said it was Russian disinformation. We only gave people the impression that it was disinformation. Right. See, there's yeah. a subtle difference there. Right. Everybody earmarks, knows exactly what they did. Earmarks are not definitive. Right. He has all the earmarks of it, but, you know, we didn't say it was. But we also told Twitter and Facebook to shut it down. Yeah. Yes. So that's pretty disingenuous. You think about that. That was James Clapper, former director of national intelligence, former CIA director John Brennan. They were all part of that. And so this guy, just as you said, David, just the Weasley way they're trying to wiggle out of that now. Yeah. Well, context is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't regret signing the letter, he said. And the laptop's chain of custody left open the possibility that Russians or even ill-intended conservative elements could have planted stuff in there. Please. Also gives you no indication about how many of these people there are. That's 51 out of how many? It's a good question. You know, and, and with that, you could probably find 51 that think the earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> But there's something that really stinks about this whole thing, especially with everything going on with Biden right now and the classified documents. Yeah. Because, again, he said, well, I hope they got them all. And then, well, wait, there's more. And at the one home where Hunter Biden was allegedly paying close to $50,000 rent to his dad. Who believes that? No one does. No one does. So, again, this whole thing, man. That With those documents, thing or money laundering or something nasty going on there. And again, we're still supposed to believe that Joe Biden's personal lawyers just happened to come across them back in November, but want to do the right thing immediately. And we don't even know if they took him right to Biden first. Right. Now this stinks, man. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> uh, not just not buying this. There's at at the very least, there's a lot more to this story. And if it's like the past of Joe Biden, it's not pretty. So we'll see if we actually get, you know, to what it all means. Okay, this part of the show, we go around the table. We're always looking at stories. 
might not be the biggest story, but it's one that caught your attention. David, today, what's your story? Oh, well, uh, apparently we're all supposed to be freaking out about uh, different new voting laws, and especially on uh, the MLK Day as we're uh, remembering the civil rights icon, uh, which was yesterday, obviously. Uh, We are supposed to be very concerned about things like voter ID laws, tainting his legacy or something. I don't know. I, I honestly, I missed this. Yeah, MSN- how can you do that in Georgia? So <laughs> MS- they had record number of yeah. people voting. MSNBC contributor and college professor Jason Johnson had this to say about the push for voter ID around the country. Okay, there's a certain segment of white people in America who would rather have their own lives inconvenienced than run the risk of black people being on an equal plane. Because frankly, all these voter suppression laws—they hurt white people too. Right? The, the intention is to keep black people from voting, but it inconveniences everybody. Where's your receipts? Yeah. How, how is it an inconvenience? If you have a driver's license, a state ID, show up, show your ID, and you get to vote. Yeah. So what exactly is he talking about? Well, he's lying. That's all Okay. It is. I mean, yeah. that period, the end, they just lie all the time. Goodness gracious, man. When? How long... Does this gig last? The whole race-baiting gig. Well. That if you don't have that in your repertoire, you don't have a job. Because that's one of those guys that seems like that's the whole gig. It's like Joy Reid. I mean, if she can't complain and call everything racist, what's her gig? It's certainly not ratings. Well, would you like to get to my number two now? Uh, Yeah, what's your story? The nation's largest teachers' union will be hosting a race-based trauma professional development course for teachers and all educators, according to the union's website. The National Education Association opened registration for the race-based trauma blended learning course, which trains educators to recognize the causes and effects of racial trauma. Educators will learn how to address race-based trauma and how to turn their classrooms into healing center environments. There you go. Our students are shouldering the accumulation of inherited racial trauma, such as implicit bias or racism. It can affect young, people, young people's ability to learn, make responsible decisions, or maintain healthy relationships. It's imperative for all of us in the NEA to recognize the effects of racial trauma in order to restore equity and well-being. <laughs> okay. Help, David. You know what? What you ask when this whole thing ends, and when it ends yes, is right. when school choice is allowed to flourish around the country. Um, it's when people are able to take their tax dollars out of these government institutions that are only interested in training young revolutionaries. That's when it ends. It also ends, I think. When enough people just start looking at this stuff and saying, no, you're not doing this. You're not going to, you're not going to teach, and especially you're hearing more and more black parents say this, you're not going to teach my kid that there's nothing they can do about something bad that may have happened to them. And no, they are not shouldering the weight of slavery 200 years after the fact. None of that is true. You're lying to kids. You're holding them back. We need to stop this. Plus, a fact, I thought there was three different things here that really said it all. Okay. It is imperative to recognize the effects of racial trauma uh, and, and, and people's ability to learn to make responsible decisions. So you're making victims. 
If you make bad decisions, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault. Or maintain healthy relationships. Again, not your fault. That's not what you would ever teach your kid. Of course you wouldn't. <laughs> no. But they want people that will just obey. Yeah, learn so and make responsible decisions. Yes. Again, if we don't have these courses and we don't deal with this, well, expect more of the same. Okay, this is interesting because we didn't tell each other before this segment what our stories were. No, we didn't. We My never do. My story sort of dovetails on that and something... Well, that you just said, David, talking about the government spending taxpayer dollars on this sort of thing. Yeah. Governor Ron DeSantis, maybe you heard this story, nominated six candidates for the new College of Florida Board of Trustees. This is a public liberal arts school. Okay. It's got all these ideologies that most people would not want their tax dollars going to. And so as far as... (laughs) Some of the new people on the board, that would be Christopher Rufo. Good. You're like, oh, yeah, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he is chief against CRT and the whole trans activism that has invaded schools across the country. Yeah, and his he's been instrumental in sort of resurrecting and pushing school choice uh, in Arizona, which is now actually, unfortunately, under assault because they have a Democrat governor. Um, but he has been pushing legislatures all around the country for school choice, and he's been doing a magnificent job, and you know he's been doing a magnificent job because just last week the New York Times had this, like, this is the man you should be afraid of Ah!" (laughs) feature story, and I love it because he tweeted out a a photo. It's this, like, black-and-white, high-contrast photo of him where he's looking very menacing, and he's just like, man, I look awesome. (laughs) and it's true well you know one of the things too with this story david you've talked about basically whatever you invest in a college are you going to get it back in your career and this is one of the worst colleges that you can find for return of investment it just is not there so DeSantis said in a statement like so many colleges and universities in america this institution has been completely captured by a political ideology that puts trendy, truth-relative concepts above learning and critical thinking. And he was interviewed, and the question was, I think it was Megan Basham, said, well, there are a lot of critics to you, you know, about what you're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Like, you're trying to, you know, regulate education. You know, what do you say to that? Well, that's the thing that really gets me is uh, to criticize the governor for making appointments according to the Florida Constitution that reflect the philosophy, not just that that I have, but that I just ran on in an election in which I won by over 1.5 million votes for the largest popular vote margin in the history of the state. That's that's scoreboarding, by the way. I like it. Specifically Mm -hmm. running, saying that we were going to get rid of this woke industrial complex. That, yes, as an individual, you are free to indulge in woke ideology, but you are not free and you're not entitled to conscript the taxpayer to fund this type of worldview. Yes. And again, man, as I heard that, I was thinking, as you've said before, David and you, Scott, that's a master class. Yeah. On how to do it. Yep. How to run a state as a conservative. I really need him to sign my baseball. 
Why do you got to dork it down like that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get a great line back from you. <laughs> you and the signed baseball, man. You and the dork it down, though. See, that's for, that, you invented that phrase. <laughs> I'd never used that before. I know. <laughs> you know that, I guess that's true. That's why I throw stuff like that out there, because I know it's going to come. Yeah. Sometime I'm going to say something really bad that's going to cost us. <laughs> Dorking it down. Dorking it daily. down. Uh, the mayor of Chicago continues to prove she's the worst mayor in the country. Next. Van Camp and Robin Show. Thank you for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Imagine you're the mayor of a big city. Wouldn't it be great if you could just recruit public school students to campaign for you? What? Yeah. Pretty amazing, huh? School credit. Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, the dumbest mayor in America, is now under investigation after her re-election campaign tried to get the public school system to give kids extra credit for working on her campaign specifically. And I'll say this. I mean, when I was in high school, that was my first real exposure to politics was there was a government class we were taking that said, Hey, you can get extra credit if you volunteer for someone Mm -hmm. just, just see how the process works. And they absolutely did not push you in one direction or another. It was just, hey, if you want to get involved with this, we can get some extra credit. But in this case, it's the mayor actually saying, hey, you know, you guys technically work for me. Get some of your students to get involved in my campaign for free. Yeah. And don't forget, I broke a glass ceiling here. Right. First openly gay black female. Yeah. Mayor. Glass all over the floor, ladies. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was actually asked about it on MSNBC. Oh, well, I, I, I've said it many times, and I'll repeat it here. Look, in our, ze- in, in our zeal to make sure that young people had an opportunity to participate, and they are flocking to our campaign, uh, uh, one of our staffers uh, reached out um, through publicly available information to CPS teachers and our city colleges, and that was just simply a mistake. I'm the mayor of the city. I'm not an, uh, somebody aspiring to be the mayor. And the wall between what? the campaign and the official side has to be impenetrable. And it will be, and that was a mistake. Okay, what did you take away from that, Mr. Robbins? What's your takeaway? That's a lot of uh, shucking and jiving and nonsense <laughs> going on, trying to divert and deflect what the real problem is here. Would you call that McGurkin? That's very McGurkin-y, yeah. McGurkin... Reading left to right. Well, reading left to right, and you all know the words, right? And you know the definitions of the words, but you cobble them all together, and you run them together like that, for instance, that whole deflection nonsense going on there. And that's what you get. What'd you get, David? Same thing? Oh, she actually just tried to say that she is not involved in her own campaign for re-election. Yeah. I'm the mayor. It's almost like this re-election campaign. They want me to be mayor again. So I, I don't have anything to do with what they're doing. Come yeah, on. They made a mistake, not me. And if like she wasn't already the mayor, right? it, it could have been okay. I don't, under, I don't understand any of that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. Your city's not doing well. 
And this is no. what you have to spend your time on. Sometimes you ask me a question like that. Well, what would you get out of that? And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't get anything. Should I have gotten something? Did I miss something? <laughs> no, I think that's always important. If yeah. you have someone making a statement, right. and this, this could be, shoot, man, a 40-minute sermon. It could be a 30-second statement. Sometimes I like to ask people, what was the main takeaway you got out of that? Yeah. I always find that to be a curious... Well, when you said she was the dumbest mayor in America, there's a lot of people that went, well, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Look at our guy, girl. Yeah. New trend out there, fellas. New trend. No more two-week notices. This is on TikTok. Don't need to give two weeks. Statement is, well, if you get fired or laid off, they don't give you two weeks. Mm-hmm. Why do you give them two weeks? Some people are saying, well, sometimes you don't want to leave your boss in a bad spot or the company. You're not pissed. You're just getting a better job. Yeah. A lot of people very angry for really no reason. More and more every day. This is the Mark Van Camp and Robert Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's Dave Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. John Katanji Drown Jackson. There yeah, you, go. you know. Yeah. Oh. That lady, president's having a hard time. I think he sees the light at the end of the tunnel. And he knows it's a train coming because somebody wants him out. That's still my theory. When you're him and you see the light, you shouldn't go to it just yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> Something's up with these. Oh, I think so, yeah. With these documents, yeah. I think he's in trouble. Somebody wants him out. But who is it? We're not quite sure. Probably saw, the Democratic power brokers. I saw a poll today about the re-election of Biden and whether he should run again in 2024 with Democrats. It was like 90% said no. That is the curious thing. That's huge, man. And then you go to the betting markets. And right now, the betting markets still have him far ahead of other Democrats. That's interesting, isn't it? Because well, the polling I'm seeing is the exact opposite. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it's one thing to say that you don't want the nominee, but then the question is who who would replace him? Who's who's really the up and comer? Yeah, you're right. And to me, it kind of seems like there's two names that jump to the front of the line in terms of what certainly what a lot of media would like to push, and that would be uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, or the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. Well, as far as the betting markets, Eric Adams is way down, mm-hmm. but Gavin Newsom. Has pulled past Kamala Harris. Yeah. Very interesting. But keeping an eye, I mean, there's not a whole lot of new news today, at least so far, with the document scandal. Mm -hmm. But you know there's going to be more information coming out at some point. Not that there's necessarily more documents, but more news about it. Yeah. As Republicans continue to pounce (laughs) on the situation. And thrust and seize. Thrust. As the legacy media outlets continually say. Thrust, or pounce. Um, Oh, man, did you see this story? David, maybe you saw it. Drug cartel behind Central California massacre massacre of six, including a mom and a baby. Golly, yeah. Okay, when we talk about the border, it's not just stopping people from coming through. 
by the thousands, hundreds of thousands, and then into the millions. It's also what is the cartel that's running so much of Mexico, and from what we hear continually, are running things at the border. And this spills into the United States. This is just another example of that. I mean, and this isn't just, you know, in California or Arizona or Texas. You're seeing these stories pop up in all places across the country. So it's something to definitely keep your eye on. Goodness gracious. And I think about that report we had last week about the cartels and how they... It's not just the drugs, man. They're into fruits, food. I mean, they're running. They control so many different things and are looking to infiltrate the United States. And are we really doing anything to stop that? There's only so many things you can do with drugs. Eventually, it runs its course. You've hit the ceiling. But man, you got to venture into other things then. But the fentanyl deaths and that we can't seem to stop. No, those numbers are still sky high. So that's certainly a concern. Meanwhile, we have the World Economic Forum going on. Yeah. Of course, John Kerry's there. Oh, yeah. He, he's our climate guy, you know. Yeah, everybody hops aboard their private jets and flies to Davos, and, uh, and uh, well, they, they smell their own farts for a few days and talk about how they're going to ruin your life uh, by ending fossil fuels. That's basically what they do. Um, and, and the policy goals that they have set out have been disastrous. And yet, for some reason, you still have a lot of people saying, well, it's just a conspiracy theory. They don't really have any impact on the rest of the world. Oh, yeah, they do. Okay. When they talk (laughs) about a conspiracy theory with the World Economic Forum, what do they usually say? Well, people talk about this great reset. No, that's real. That's actually what they talked about. Yes, using the COVID pandemic to reset how nations interact with one another and, and whether or not you can use this to, I don't know, uh try to control the weather with you know i mean it's it's wild man klaus schwab yeah wrote the book the great reset yeah or or you know sometimes these these far-right people they're talking about a conspiracy theory where the world economic forum is saying that people won't own anything but they'll actually be happy that's true that's that's what they say that we can be trusted with owning everything meaning yes. the elites there, we can be trusted to do this and manage people's day-to-day lives, which is, I mean, that, that's literally communism. That's, that's what they are pushing. And the other pushback is, well, if they're all, they're all so wealthy, they're not communists, obviously. Have you, Remember, they had the video well, where it showed that you would own nothing and be happy. Right. It's not like somebody made that up out of thin air. Well, the other thing is, is that a lot of times the communist revolutionaries actually are fabulously wealthy and see communism as a means to become even more wealthy. Of course. That's how this works. Yes. Um, but John Kerry was there, and he was patting everybody on the back saying, we are the people who are going to be solving climate change and learning how to control the weather. Okay. All right, roll it. When you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so... Whatever touched us? Yeah. yeah. You mean like the gobs of cash from your wife? Right. <laughs> That's why you're in that seat, dude. He's got to know that, right? Almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever. 
and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. We are. No, I only think that until you're about age 30. And then most people wake up out of that and know what reality is. Or other people go the other way and try to make money off of it. Yeah. Which is John Kerry. Yeah. Either that or he just admitted he was an alien. I just I wondered that too, which I tend to tend to think he is. Got the long face and everything. The lizard people are here. Right. Wait a second. I, the long face is that is that extraterrestrial? I I mean, ET. His face wasn't long. It was more like a pumpkin. <laughs> well, he's from a different planet. Right. Oh, of course. I got you. <laughs> don't, right. don't. Your planetism is showing. Okay. He brought he brought complimentary bottles of Heinz ketchup with him for everybody there too. <laughs> I hope they enjoyed it. Well, I got to test the theory. What? What alien do you know that has a long face? The oh the the the, the carry aliens. Well, Alf. Yeah, Alf had a long face. He okay. Did. Yeah. Thank you, David. Had to bail him out, didn't well, you? Well, I had to think about. I'm, yeah. I'm going through my head thinking about long face aliens. <laughs> he's from the. He's, where was Alf from? What planet was that? I don't know. Orc? No, that was Mork. Okay, you, uh, this is something you got to hear. Um, I heard this, and I'm like, man, I don't even know where to start to play this in a shorter amount of time, so you get the gist of it. So David's great at editing these things down. I'll let you present it, David. I loved hearing this. Yeah, Constantine Kisson is a British satirist who gave one of the best takedowns of climate change hysteria on record. Oh, yeah. Uh, this was at an Oxford Union debate. The whole video is about, what, seven minutes long or so? Mm -hmm, so right, yeah. Trying to pull out the highlights here. Um, and here's the jumping off point where he's, he's saying, I'm going to present to you a logical argument about how your argument is actually completely illogical. Roll it. I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. A small minority, I accept. <laughs> because one of the tenets of wokeness is, of course, that your feelings matter more than the truth. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshipping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. <laughs> The future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America by poor people who couldn't give a shit about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. And he, yes. And he goes and fleshes this out a little bit using the country of his birth, Russia, which isn't a poor country by global standards, not at all. But still, 20% of citizens still use outhouses because they don't have indoor plumbing. I didn't know that until yeah. you said it. Yeah, I know. It's wild. I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground that holds a collected fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. <laughs> How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom and erect a Siberian house in the back garden? And if you're not, why should they? Boy, yeah. that makes you think, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then he explains it's, it's not because, you know, Poor people or people in desperate situations around the world are stupid or are selfish or anything like that. It's that they are desperate to not literally die. Correct. About 15 months ago, my wife got pregnant. Not me, because we're old school. Now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live. But all I have to do is press this button, and for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 
is going to re get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young, and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. Yeah. yeah. Not a good parent, anyway. Yeah. Uh, then he brings it all home, wrapping it up here. Roll it. The only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. The way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. Well done. Yes, yeah. I agree. It's true. I yeah. mean, all these people in the UK who are gluing themselves to things and, and throwing soup on priceless works of art. One of the groups behind it is a group called Just Stop Oil, which that may sound clever to them. But when they say Just Stop Oil, that is a statement in support of the largest genocide the world would ever see. You would talk about a third of the world dying within a year if you just stopped oil. That's the reality. But how many people actually know that? That's just it. They don't know it. They don't know about food. Yeah. They don't know about fertilizer. They don't know what's going on in the Netherlands. They don't know what happened in Sri Lanka. They don't know. Well, you can tell they them. They just but take talking points from yeah. woke people, and this is what I'm supposed to do. But if you tell them, it'll be labeled misinformation. You're lying. You're not telling the truth. That's what they do. I know. I mean, what the hell? I mean, you know, you try. Yeah. But, I mean, over time, a reasonable person will figure it out. But if you have time left. Oh. Mm, see? <laughs> that sounded like a trailer. No. Yeah. That you just ended up on. If you have time left. Yes. Uh, lighter note from a study said, you know, if uh, somebody is in a bad mood, it might be just because they're more detail-oriented. Because it tends to be that way with grumpy people. Mm. Now, is that a, that's a chicken or the egg situation, isn't it? Well, I think your mind went exactly where mine did, David. Robin's grumpy and not detail-oriented. At all. Yes. No, sometimes you're focused on things and figuring things out, and then you could appear to be grumpy, and maybe you're just not. I'm just bucking the trend, baby. Blaze my that. own trail. Yep. Yes. Uh, so we've been overcounting COVID deaths. The definitive voice on this straight ahead. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. I have the feeling that Mount St. Robbins may erupt here. All right, let's go. Go ahead, David. Well, the COVID nuts out there are really, really, really mad at Dr. Lena Wynn, a former public health official who has been definitely all about, you know, masking up kids. Oh, yeah. Was in favor of school closures until, well, she saw the light and then was personally affected by school closures and then said, okay, mm. yeah, we shouldn't do this anymore. Uh, kind of been all over the map with this stuff. Uh, but uh, she's now saying we're probably overcounting COVID deaths and have been doing so since the beginning. That was a conspiracy theory back in 2020, but now it's safe to discuss. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And I think this needs to be separated into three categories. One is the um, the COVID as a direct contributor, the primary cause of death. The second is, could it be a secondary contributing cause? So, for example, somebody with kidney disease, COVID then pushes them over the edge to have kidney failure. That's COVID as a contributing cause. And then the third is COVID as an incidental finding. So somebody coming in with a gunshot wound or a heart attack and they happen to test positive. I think that we need to separate out and look at the percentages of each. That percentage would have shifted over time as well. In the beginning, probably a lot more people were dying with the primary cause of COVID. That probably has shifted. And I think, again, we need to understand this. Another reason to understand this, too, is a lot of people are wondering when they should get a booster next. (laughs) God, kind of gobbledygook was that? The whole first part, anybody could have said. Well, yeah. Dude, of I, course you need to separate we, those things. And, and this is something we talked about two years ago, if not more. All these deaths that were being counted and attributed to COVID. A guy fell, hit his head from yes. two stories, died of a massive brain hemorrhage, but he had COVID. And when he died, guess what he died of? COVID! <laughs> this crap's been going on forever. This fear porn has been out there since the beginning. And the ticker <laughs> running on CNN nonstop. Yeah, right. God, I mean, I but now Lena, Lena Wen, who's I, apparently her, you know, she her soul's in jeopardy or something. She's got to come clean now or stay relevant because the truth is out there. So you switch the story. Yeah, uh, it's I know she was throwing some facts and figures around the other day, like 85, 90 percent may have been overplayed. By the way, speaking of someone falling and hitting their head. Yeah. Switching gears. I was afraid that was, well, you, David. It was a week and a half ago. If we roll the game film back, yeah, this was said on this radio show. None of it matters anyway because the Buccaneers are going to get hot in the playoffs and Tom Brady's going to get his ring. Oh! <laughs> are, you, are you telling me that that's no longer an option? That that's I'm off the table? I'm telling you, I've heard some freezing cold takes before. I'm, are you telling me that Tom Brady's not coming back now? Can you hand me that coat? It's cold in here. <laughs> Very chilly. How'd that conversation go on? And I said, you can't say that. I just did. What? Well, if you're going to say that, you're going to have to put some money behind I'll, that. I'll put 10 on that. Wow. I'm in. Mm, yeah, I'm in on that one. You want in, too? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the, here's the crazy thing is the texts are flying last yeah. night. Yeah. He doubles down at halftime. You offered him a... You can double down. And I said, as your friend, you're yeah. not thinking clearly. Yeah. yeah. He said, let's I'm doing go. It. Sorry, yes. Sorry yes. kids. Not going to have steak tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pay Uncle Jamie. Daddy made some bad bets. Got to pay. Daddy and Captain Morgan. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay. Biggest story of the day so far, David. Uh, there are a few floating out there. Of course, we are keeping an eye on all the things that are coming out of the World Economic Forum to let you know how the elites plan to ruin your life. Uh, eating bugs. Well, of course, eating bugs. You know, the That's Associated Press actually said the bug eating thing was a conspiracy theory. They talk about it. They literally talk about it all the time as a renewable and sustainable protein source. Yes. That's yes. actually what they'd like to see more of is encouraging eating bugs. That is true. <laughs> but I don't know if the World Economic Forum actually talks to the AP and says, hey, could you put this out that this is bogus? Or does the AP just do that on their own because they also think it's insane? 
You're not quite sure. The monkey's going to be on the Food Channel showing us how it's done. <laughs> Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, what is devastating young people's mental health? Is it social media? Uh, We've no, seen those studies. No, it's climate change. What? Yeah. Uh, the World Economic Forum is underway in Davos, where a bunch of people are deciding how to ruin your life and kill a couple billion people in the name of changing the weather. Uh, one of the speakers is a guy named Alan Dengor. He's with a nonprofit that's focused on health and climate change. And as he was speaking, he said that mental health of young people is suffering because of climate change. Okay. And we're really only beginning to scrape the surface there. And there is no health without mental health, as my mental health colleagues repeatedly remind me. Young people are petrified about the future, and that is having a substantial impact on their mental health. The the impacts are absolutely catastrophic. (laughs) More so than keeping them locked up for a year with COVID? Well, and also... Really show me that study. And I, I, I don't doubt that there are a lot of young people who are terrified because people like him have terrified them. That's, yes. that's been the propaganda campaign about climate change. The world is going to end in 10 years or 12 years. It's going to be irreversible, and we're all going to die because of climate change. And I, if you'll just indulge me here, there was, a, there was a time in elementary school where this stuff freaked me out. And yeah. it was during the acid rain stuff. Remember that? Like acid rain was going to be the thing that was going to kill us all? Mm-hmm. Well, of course. And Robin's favorite band, Rush, would sing about it. <laughs> yeah, they did. It scared I, me. I remember it was in elementary school, and they brought out you know the old laser disc, and we watched this movie about acid rain and how it was going to actually kill you if it mm-hmm. rained. Now, I'm a little kid, first or second grade at the time. I also grew up in Houston, and we had just had a tropical storm where I saw boatloads of rain, and I saw my street flood. Our church got flooded out, all of this stuff. So I'm in this mindset of, oh, my gosh, in the very near future, if it rains outside, it's going to burn me alive. It's going to freak me out. We have, or it's going to kill me, and that freaked me out. And then, I mean, I, I was actually upset as a little kid. I'm sorry, man. Now I've got that Rush song stuck in my head. I bet I want it now. You're the Rush fan. Real quick detour. Red alert. The acid rain. Red that? alert. Is that red sector A? Distant early warning. Distant early warning. You're right. Okay. Yes. Anyway, sorry. I, I that's was, all that's going through my head. I bet you were terrified. Growing up on the Gulf Coast, I'm thinking, oh, well, it rains here all the time. I mean, I'm going to, it's going to kill me when it rains. And I was actually upset enough that, like, my mom noticed that something was wrong and she had to talk me off the ledge a little bit. Well, no, that's not really what they're talking about. But this is what they're doing to little kids. Yeah, all the time. Even even people my age have gone through something like that. I don't know if everybody had the same reaction I did, but you know they. Well, they... I'll tell you what, man. It wasn't so much the climate, but there were different things. I can remember when I was a kid that scared you to death, mm-hmm. and one was the killer bees. Killer bees yeah. are coming across the United States, and you will not be able to run from them. Mm-hmm. 
Remember the TV movie they had and they took yeah. him into the, what, Superdome in New Orleans to mm-hmm. kill them all? Yeah. Holy mackerel. Right. I didn't sleep for nights. But, but this is what the climate hysterics yes. are doing on purpose. They want kids to be freaked out as much as possible. They want that anxiety because that creates revolutionaries who don't think for themselves. They just do what they're told. It's monstrous, well, man. It is. And, you know, it would be nice when they have some expert that's going to talk about these things to have another, quote, expert that is also concerned about climate, but is not doomsday. Like, listen, we're, nothing's going to happen in the next 10 years, okay? And they will lay out their case. And that's, you know, something I've done a few different times is listen to two supposed experts in the field debate one another about what we're really looking at and how one can easily influence the other to say, well, you would admit, you know, fact ABC and the guy that's ready to jump off a ledge says, well, yes, well, think about where we were at 15 years ago and what we were thinking, which did not happen. And then you get this, at least in my mind, more level conversation that your takeaway is, okay, there's some concern, but we're humans and we figure it out. And over time, we can, you know, be whatever you want to call it, more responsible, uh, whatever it might be. But we're not going to kill off anybody. You start doing what the experts that have freaked out the kids, mm-hmm. you are going to starve people to death. That's not a joke. Oh, for sure. And you're talking about millions of people dying because they can't get drugs for preventable illnesses. I mean, how do you think yes. that? Uh, how do you think certain drugs for malaria, for different, again, preventable or, or curable illnesses wind up getting to the places where they're needed? Well, one, they have to be manufactured, and that involves oil and gas. They've got to be transported. That involves oil and gas. They've got to actually mm-hmm. be dropped off in a place that has some sort of power source, which involves oil and gas. You cut all that off too quickly you doom people to a miserable death. Yep. Well, for our parents, it was everybody getting to the desk because of the atomic bombs going off. You know, so you had them hiding like that was going to help you if an atomic bomb rolled you under the desk. Crushed. And that was part of the thing, right? Scared scared kids. Oh, yeah. And the thinking that there was going to be an atomic bomb dropped in there, you know, during recess. Well, you remember the made-for-TV movie, The Day After? Yeah, sure. In 1983? Yeah. Oh, you're freaked out for days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. you're, we're doomed! You know, actually, part of the uh, the lore behind the get-under-the-desk in case of an atomic strike, an atomic yeah. bomb falling on your town, part of mm-hmm. that actually was designed to get kids used to following orders from people in position of authority. <laughs> That's and, interesting, but yeah. And it, it really was. That was part of what was baked in, because obviously if you get under your desk, that's not going to save you if an atomic bomb is falling on your town. No. But uh, but it was about that, and then also giving people the sense that they were doing something. Yes. I can remember out in the hallway of the school, and everybody would have to go, like, head between the knees. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and but there was no widespread apolytic places you could go. I mean, now you can go to the Internet. You can find anything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, before, it was kind of a small group of people that tried to freak everybody out. Yeah. Now successful. it's out there everywhere. Yeah. Saw an interesting piece uh, from Real Clear, and this <laughs> may change some uh, political parties' minds of how to, I don't know, market a candidate. As this piece talks about, 
the rise of the single woke female is what did Republicans in in the midterms Mm -hmm. more than any other demographic. Um, This is sort of a fascinating read because it says soccer moms are giving way to single woke females. The new SWFs as one of the most potent voting blocks in American politics. So just going through some of the highlights of the piece, it's a lot of what you would probably think it is. But it's unmarried women without children have been moving toward the Democratic Party for several years. But it was the 2022 midterms that might have been their coming out party where you could really see it. So while married men and married women, as well as unmarried men, broke for the GOP, unmarried women voted for Democrats, like 68%. And so going through, you know, some of the statistics, childless women are joining African-Americans as the Democrats' most reliable supporters. Uh, the number of never married women has grown. It was 20% in 1950. Now it's well over 30%. Mm. While the percentage of married women has declined from almost 70% in 1950 to under 50 today. Okay, so that's a large number of people. And they go on to talk about there's far less stigma attached to being single and unpartnered. Single women today have many impressive role models of unattached childless women who have succeeded on their own. And the examples are Taylor Swift and the U.S. women's soccer team. That, the whole team? Is it just, yes. Okay. Is it just me? Because if I'm thinking of unhappy people, am I misreading it with Taylor Swift? Yeah. She doesn't seem to be thrilled. Well, well, yeah, but that's, I mean... The Democratic Party has shifted to being the party of the miserable people, though, man. I mean, it. <laughs> okay, you just went out and said it. I know it sounds. I know that it that that sounds harsh, but you look at it. Everything the sky is always falling because of these intangible things. I mean, we just got wrapped up talking about mm-hmm. how you know kids are depressed because climate change is going to kill us all in ten years or whatever. Um, and there's always this thing where there's nothing you can personally do to improve your own happiness. If you're not happy, it's society's fault. That's the Democratic Party's message. And so, obviously, that's very attractive to somebody who is miserable. You could work on yourself, or you could blame everybody else and flock to a political party that confirms what you think is happening. Well, and not so much in this piece, but I've certainly read others where part of the thinking is that you have a group of people that will marry the government that somewhere there's a need to be taken care of even if you're successful if something goes haywire who who's going to be my net that i fall into well i'll marry the government that sort of thing but man when i think about what different adults would have told me like in my 20s of you know what's going to make you happy right was it going to be the career well yeah you can you can find some happiness there Mm -hmm. but sustaining happiness over time it's usually relationships and you're talking about family and things like that but that's certainly not talk to people today i mean it's all about well you've got to be all you can be and don't you ever if you actually get married and have kids and want to stay home you're cheating yourself that is the message to a lot of young women and it doesn't matter. You can do it however you want it, but you would hate for someone young to be demonized because they, more than anything, want to be a mom and raise a family. There's nothing wrong with that. They just but that's not what it. society no. tells. 
girls now. That's not saying you need to do this. No. But you should be able to do what you think is going to make you happy. But people are judged for that anymore. And, you know, as the piece goes on, it talks about just group consciousness. And that's one of the big players. And it's taught in universities where feminist ideology often holds powerful sway. Women now, well, they outnumber guys on college campuses. What? They're 59% now. You know. So it's interesting as we move forward thinking about elections and everything else. If Republicans want to win elections, you got to be thinking about that voting block. But I don't know how you get through there. you got to be creative in your messaging. Um, don't know if you saw this. I mentioned this show before, and it's fascinating. The Chosen. Oh, yeah. It's all funded by people that watch the show. Mm-hmm. It's like a mini-series on the life of Jesus, but it's more focused on like the disciples and all these different storylines coming together as it's going through the Gospels. I'm just going to say, because I feel like I should, it's not lame. No. There's, if, a, lot if, of, there's a lot of lame in that world. Well, yes, I think it's well documented that uh, either christian tv shows movies have not been the highest quality some have been good yeah but a lot are like okay mm. there's this cheesiness to it right no the chosen is not mm-hmm. like that no, it's not it's it's really well done well fans crashed uh the fathom events movie ticket site because news broke out where the season finale of season three what dates it's going to be shown and sure enough there were so many people going to the website that it crashed it. Joe Rogan was just talking about this the other day. Like, it's amazing that this thing has taken off. But that's one of the things. They don't have to have some board of directors or someone, you know, saying, okay, it's okay that we do the show. It's all funded by the people that yeah. watch it. So that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it is. I was surprised. And it's going to be a theatrical presentation, right? The final one? Go Yeah, you get tickets yeah, They said they theaters. wanted to do the big screen with this one, with yeah. the last one. They did that with the opening yeah. of season three. Yes, I went did. with some friends. And I remember saying to one of my buddies, because the director, the guy that puts it all together, Dallas Jenkins, he can, he can talk a lot, and it can go on for a while. But he always says, I'm sorry to be talking so much, but it's all funded by you, so I want to let you know what we're doing. And I'm like, if he goes over 35 minutes, man, you got to pay my ticket. It was only like 10 minutes. Oh, good. So, yeah. But no, it was it was really well done. It's good. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes and who's going to follow suit. Because once some people find out, man, you can be successful doing this if you have enough people that will fund you. That's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> TikTok is proposing a $1.5 billion plan to U.S. lawmakers. It's okay. We're not a Chinese spy app. We'll get to that much more coming up. Right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, remember, what was it, December? Federal officials said no more TikTok. Can't have it on government phones. Can't do this anymore. It's a Chinese spy app for crying out loud. We've known this for months, years. Years, yeah. Swalwell said, what's the problem? Of course. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that TikTok has proposed a $1.5 billion plan 
to lawmakers in the United States because, yeah, hey, we know you've got some security concerns here, but we're taking care of that, and you can trust us. Mm-hmm. Because now, what, at least 25 states have placed restrictions and bans on the app on government-owned devices. Okay. So the TikTok officials told the Wall Street Journal that they believe this proposal would address these concerns, including content recommendation and user data access with layers of government and independent oversight. Mm -hmm. Who's government? Right. That's my question. question. That doesn't really matter because they also lied when they said, no, we're not sending information back to China. We are are siloed off from the parent company ByteDance. We don't have anything, any sharing agreement. And then it comes out that they actually did. Correct. And it's interesting because you say, which government? I definitely don't trust China. But anymore, you can't trust the United States either. Right. But yeah, China far worse. So we'll see where that goes. All I'm thinking is, okay, some people are going to get paid off, aren't they? Probably. Yeah. Because, man, for years, we've heard different people in Congress gripe and moan about big tech and these social media companies. And we need to crack down while they're taking money from them yeah. for their campaigns. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, oh, I want to play a short clip of Joe Biden from yesterday, uh, because I don't know if you knew this. And by the way, even if I didn't want to do this, I'd be in real trouble. My daughter's a social worker, and this is what she does. And so if I didn't, I'd be in real trouble with my Ashley. You got an Ashley. We got an Ashley. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. She hasn't um, been a social worker since, like, 2012. It's been 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Time flies. You think I'm joking? I'm not joking. Who <laughs> said you were joking? Why does he always say that? This is the Mark Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp. Scott Robbins. Happy birthday, dear Valley. Yeah. Yeah. What was her name again? Val. Yeah. Okay. Can't Hard even to remember. get that on a name tag. Val. That was yesterday. Andre, uh, I believe, is her name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who would have been Martin Luther King Jr.'s granddaughter? Daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law. Yeah. Yes. Valley. You remember, of mm-hmm. course. Yes. Um, Joe Biden didn't have a good day yesterday. He stepped in it several times. And just the pre-written speech he had for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, you would think would be one of hope and togetherness, not divisiveness. But, of course, we should expect that. Can't help him. So that's 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 what it is now. Yeah. Uh, More on Biden a little bit later, especially with uh, the classified document scandal going on right now and the White House press secretary trying to field questions. That'll be a lot of fun. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the World Economic Forum is meeting. And all-around great guy, Klaus Schwab, <laughs> the master of ceremonies. Um, and, David, I think you've said it several times, this World Economic Forum, a group of people that wants to ruin your life. 
Yes, they think they know better than you, and they uh, they deem themselves to be the saviors of the world. They literally think they are saving the world. They're the Justice League. Don't don't take my word for it. That's what John Kerry said today. Former Secretary of State, failed presidential candidate John Kerry, who's now the climate envoy, actually said that these people are saving the world. Except they're not. Making no, no, it much not. more difficult. Yeah. I mean, you know, before I get into this clip of Klaus Schwab, you know, you've talked about energy several times, David. Mm-hmm. But one of the things they're all about is changing the energy source for billions of people and from the top down. And if you control the type of energy that's being used and the access to that energy, then, and it's been said, population movement and productivity can be controlled entirely. They want the control. Oh, and totally. they want it to be everybody together, all these countries. It's not like individual countries coming together talking about, here's what we want out of this. Mm-hmm. Can we work together? It's no, we're all part of this, you know, global community. And you need to do your part. Yeah, and that that's really one of the reasons why, and we just got a, a glimpse of that, was that in Colorado, I think, uh, a few months ago. I guess it was at the tail end of summer. Um, this is one of the reasons why they want to electrify everything. Because if everything is electric and everything is uh, hooked up to the Internet of Things, then if you want to, I don't know, conserve a little bit of power here and there, or if you're worried that the wind's not blowing enough, you can just hit the dimmer switch on an entire city. Remember that? I forget what where it was in Colorado, but there were customers who didn't realize that they had opted in to allow right. the power company to shut down their thermostats during a heat wave. Right. They want to do that all over the place. Yes. And control food. I mean, every part of your life. Here's one of the most concerning things before I play the clip. The U.S. representatives that are there, you've mentioned Kerry, and then you have Biden's Secretary of Labor, Martin Walsh, uh, Christopher Ray, head of the FBI, um, Samantha Power, the U.S. Agency for International Development. You've got Georgia Governor Brian Kemp there. Gretchen Whitmer's there, J.B. Pritzker. Uh, you've got Senators Christopher Coons, Maria Cantwell, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema. Then you got House reps from California, New York, mm-hmm. and Florida, Jersey, all over. Why? I'm asking. No, it seems asking like a for lot a friend. Of, a lot Why? of people. Yeah. Well, it's because they need to know what the world is up to and what the marching orders will be. There was that one dignitary is... from Europe who was there during the uh, panel on uh, disinformation, which hilariously was hosted by CNN's or former CNN anchor Brian Stelter, <laughs> who talked about government censorship over speech and said the United States is going down that road. They will do it. And she said it as a good thing. Well, their whole, and we already know this, what they call disinformation is anyone that says anything that might get in the way of their goals. So they talk about, well, you've got all these conspiracies out there, like we want this great reset. You said you did yeah. two years ago, or you will own nothing and be happy. You've said that. But this is Klaus Schwab. We couldn't meet at a more challenging time. <laughs> we are confronted with so many crises simultaneously. What does it need to master the future? 
again, as it's been talked about, especially on this show, this guy's like a Bond villain. Yes. He doesn't do anything. I was going to say Mel Brooks movie, but but either or, yeah. (laughs) To master the future. What does it mean, to master the future? I think to have a platform Mm -hmm. where all stakeholders of global society are engaged. Governments, business, civil societies, the young generation, and I could go on. I think it's a first step mm. to meet all the challenges. Ah, really just trying to improve the world, you say? Mm-hmm. Dude, when we do things as a country that makes no sense for us as a country, and we ask the question, are we trying to destroy the country from within, especially the left? And the answer is usually yes. I'm always thinking it's tied to this. Somehow, some way. Maybe I'm a kook. But it doesn't make sense, so many of the things that we're doing. That's the same guy that talks to me in my nightmares. <laughs> he sounds just like that. You will eat the bugs, Scott. <laughs> and like them. Uh, here's breaking news. I'm not even joking. This was from yesterday, Wall Street Journal. Headline, exercise helps blunt the effects of COVID-19, study suggests. Of course <laughs> really? it does. Yes, yes. Naturally. Yeah. I'm and thinking the Wall Street disease. Journal needs to get a new headline writer. Of course. <laughs> I mean, high blood pressure, hypertension, and the list goes on and on. That's why, I mean, that's why it was so nonsensical to shut down parks early on in the pandemic. Like, I remember even the parks uh, around my old neighborhood. I mean, they had all the jungle gyms and whatever roped off with caution tape. And in yes. some parts of the country, like in New York, they were actually welding shut. Yeah. gates that access playgrounds and parks. It's like, I could kind of understand early on if you were saying, well, we're going to shut down the gyms. I could kind of understand that because you got people breathing on each other. Dude, I got shouted down for saying, why would you close the beach? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people would say to me, well, everyone's supposed to be together, all part of this. You're not close to anybody. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Remember when I actually took my family to the beach? during the pandemic and then i think there was a national news headline that showed it was on the uh, texas coast and there was a national news headline that uh had a photo following the shoreline like south to north so you were seeing the beach on the left and and the water on the right and it looked like it was packed and it was right in the area where we were and i can tell you nobody got within like 30 feet of one another right you can make it look like that with a photo oh sure well, name me one thing that exercise accelerates the, the decline of some health issue. The only thing I can think of is if you're injured and you make it yeah. worse. Well, yeah, yeah outside of that for it, health. But, yeah. Yeah, and uh, leaves, leaves you blind. But here's the thing. So I'm going through this story, and I'm like, okay, of course, yes, a seven-year-old active, yeah. This is a good thing, just like any other age. Yeah. And then... It's a doctor saying this. You don't have to run. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to do anything except get up and go out for a walk. That's what most people do. And we see how much protection they're getting from that with COVID. People knew this very early on. Mm-hmm. For all of the conversations about masks and then vaccines, how often did we hear, hey, it's a good, just get out and walk. You know, start with, you know, if you can only make it halfway around the block, okay, and then just build up from there, whatever it would be. But you don't hear it. 
it's almost like the healthcare system runs off people getting sick and they want you to. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> anyway. Um also out there. Okay, we're gonna have an update here in a couple of minutes, I can tell you. Because the White House press secretary is now taking uh mm-hmm. questions. We are monitoring the, the feed. Oh ho, ho. yeah, it looks like uh it could be getting pretty good there. Um, sometimes there is clickbait out there. I see this headline. Have you heard this trick for opening difficult jar lids? Um, I'm not sure. What is, what is the trick? Well, this is going viral online. You take a spoon and stick it underneath the lid along one of the grooves and gently pry the lid from the glass. Well, yeah. Or you tap on it like crazy. Mm -hmm. I thought this was a new hack. A couple of whaps on the counter and it'll be fine and... Generally loosens it up enough. Yes. But you click on these things. Mm-hmm. You're like, is that all there is? Sort of like the Wall Street Journal. Did you know that uh, exercise is going to help you out with COVID? Really? <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. Joe Biden. Classified documents. Karine Jean-Pierre attempting to answer some questions. Update straight ahead. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Well, White House Press Secretary, the Make-A-Wish Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, answering more questions uh, after the revelation that more classified documents were found at Joe Biden's place over the weekend. Uh, and was asked, hey, you know, you guys kind of said... They'd found what they were going to find. That's it. You know, on Thursday, you said, yeah, okay, this is pretty much done. And yes. now uh, they're finding more documents. Uh, wh- what do you have to say for yourself? Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to continue to be prudent here. Uh, I'm going to let this ongoing uh, review that is happening, this legal process that is happening. Oh, hold on a second. The, the actual question is, now can we assume we've seen everything? Right. right. I'm going to let the process. So she's not saying, yes, assume that we've seen it all. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and and uh, let, that, uh, let that process continue under the special counsel. We're not, I'm not going to comment from here. Uh, I'm not uh, one of the things that we have said for the last two years when it comes to the Department of Justice, when it comes to legal matters, when it comes to legal issues, uh, we have been very clear that we are not going to comment. We are not going to uh, politically interfere. And, uh, and that continues with this also this legal issue and so i would refer you to the department are there any more documents the guy can he remember if he's got some somewhere else he doesn't know what is it refer you to the department of justice refer you to the special counsel as it relates to specifics on this issue and also my white house counsel colleagues are engaging with all of you (laughs) and will certainly continue to have a uh, conversations on this i will say that uh, we are consistent with what we have said on cooperating fully uh, with uh, the Department of Justice on this issue, and we, we will continue to cooperate fully with the special counsel. Thanks. She didn't say anything. 
Yeah, really. I mean, again, I think I've used this analogy before, but whenever she is in a situation where she's trying to answer a difficult question, it is like watching a newborn baby deer try to walk across a frozen lake. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Just lay down. It's all right. <laughs> With that, it's a rudimentary filibuster. Okay. Just keep filling the air full of words. The thing is, too, that's prepared. She's looking down as she is reading that. There's trouble here. And you wonder what's in the documents. And when you see Ukraine as part of this, I mean, I don't think you got to be a tin foil hat wearing Coke to think, does this have something to do with Hunter Biden and Burisma? Right. And, you know, it was Joe wanting weapons for Ukraine while he was vice president. Big O didn't want to give it to him. What's going on? Is there more to that? One well, the thing about Queen Jean-Pierre, we already know she's in over her head, so she's just going out there with her notebook and oh, looking yeah. up, okay, this is what I'm supposed to say. But we can't trust them on anything. These no. are the same people that would say, yeah, border is secure. You're watching people come across it day after day on Fox. It's not like, well, the conspiracy people at Fox, they just, you know, go to some studio and make it look like people are coming through illegally. Right. No, we see it all the time. Bill Malusian's down there with his great hair. We see people coming across. Not making it up. These aren't just paid actors. <laughs> I like that we've said from the beginning. Starts pretty much every sentence, too. Right, and we've been clear on been this. Clear on this. Yep. But that is one of the things, and I understand that press secretaries are masterful in this. Of whatever the question is, you're not going to answer it. You're going to go some other direction. But still, last week um, you told I think it was, I believe it was Phil that we all can assume American people could assume that the searches were complete and all the documents had been recovered. Yeah. Uh, on Saturday, the White House Counsel's Office uh, uh, said that five additional classified documents yeah. had been found. Uh, is it safe to assume now that all the documents are uh, have been recovered, all the official records, all the classified documents are back in the custody of the National Archives, or are more searches underway to find out if there's anything else there? Okay, that's that's a question you can answer, right? Yeah. Look, I, I understand your question. We have addressed multiple questions from here. Multiple questions have been answered by the president. I know that you all uh, just spent about some of you, some of your colleagues, maybe you yourself, Zeke, was, was on the phone with my colleague for about 45 minutes that addressed a lot of your questions. Uh, I'm just going to continue to be prudent here. Uh, I'm going to let this ongoing uh, review that is happening, this legal process that is happening, uh, and, and uh, let, that, uh, let that process continue under the special counsel. We're not. I'm not going to comment from here. Okay. That's, that, uh, it sounds more like a drunk guy who's trying to explain to his wife why there was a woman in the shower. <laughs> well, I, listen, I've heard your question. Yeah. I heard it. Okay. And, and it's been addressed. Mm -hmm. And we're going to keep, uh, there's going to be a few, full review of the towels and mm -hmm. any towels that may have been used or yeah. not used. Um, because the fibers are quick-drying fibers, as you know, as we've talked about since the beginning of this. She's got okay. a special condition in her back. She couldn't reach parts of it. Yeah. As a good neighbor, I did my best to. Yeah. Meanwhile, astrophysics is racist. <laughs> of course Did you know is. that? Yeah. Why I'm not? not joking about that. Yeah. Well, it, this is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show.
That's something we'll get to. But the biggest story of the day today, David, is... Well, now that the White House is answering questions, we've got a few more clips to go through uh, from Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, as she is asked, why shouldn't Americans be outraged about Biden having classified documents in his possession from the Obama administration? Boy, that seems a little bit weird. Hmm. Her answer on that is classic, by the way. I can't wait. And if you thought I just from out of nowhere made up that astrophysics is racist, no, that's a Colorado college professor that is saying that. Well, it's so based in individualism and exceptionalism, you can't have it. We'll get to that. And the Scott Robbins trifecta all on the way. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Well, the White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, is asking or being asked more questions about Joe Biden's classified documents hoarding from the old Obama days. Uh, Because she had said, yes, you can assume that no more documents are going to be found last week. And then over the weekend, oh, they found more documents. (laughs) Whoa, good to have it to anybody. So she's asked uh, during this press briefing today, uh, you know, why should the American people, well, trust Joe Biden? Why shouldn't they be outraged at this? Because he's made this big deal of keeping or taking classified material very seriously. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what he said about Trump. Mm-hmm. How could anyone be that irresponsible? Yeah. Reckless. Right. Roll it. Give back the the, um, the independence that the Department of Justice has. Go ahead, Peter, and then I'll come to that. Just to follow up, if I can, very quickly on this. The White House says Republicans are faking outrage on this issue. Why shouldn't Americans be outraged about classified documents being found in a garage? Look, Wow, that was Peter Alexander I, from NBC. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was struck there for a second. Yeah. Wow. That's different for him. And I think I've been very clear about this. We have answered questions on this at this podium. You've heard, as Phil was saying twice from the president, talk about this. He said that he didn't know, right? He said that he was surprised, and he said that he takes classified information and documents very, very seriously. We heard- no. See, am I the only one that has a problem with that statement in itself, or am I making too well, much out of it? Well, again- He takes it very serious, but he forgot. Yeah. He he was surprised by all of this, but he takes it very seriously. I mean, like, I, I think about this, maybe you could tell me if this is a bad comparison. I take okay. firearm safety extremely seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would absolutely be completely shocked if I found a gun just laying around in my house. Well, yes. But then again, I know that I'm not just going to have a gun laying around in my house. <laughs> Right. And I make steps to make sure that they're all locked up. Well, it's almost like if you if you work at a place and you borrowed something, some sort of equipment from the place you work, or maybe it was something you kind of knew you weren't supposed to do, and then somebody got in big trouble for it, wouldn't the alarm go off in your head? Holy mackerel, I better get that back. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the guy's surprised by everything. 
Well, what can he remember? <laughs> exactly. All right, she goes on. And he said that he takes classified information and documents very, very seriously. We heard directly from the president on this issue. Now, anything else, anything beyond that, uh, we're just not going to talk about. There's an investigation going on. There's a legal process here, as we've been very, very clear about. Uh, I will let the White House counsel uh, talk about any specific details uh, about that. Uh, but we're going to be prudent here and make sure that we are not uh, interfering in this process. Man, they gave her the word prudent. Mm-hmm. I can't even count how many times she's used it mm. in this briefing. About half a dozen by my count. Yeah. Yep, she's floundering a little bit there. Okay, more on that in a bit. I mentioned that astrophysics is racist. Uh, we've got to stamp out hate and racism, kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so astrophysics has got to go because they have an emphasis on individualism and exceptionalism. And Professor Natalie Gosnell in Colorado, um, this is just racist. Okay, And this reminds me of the Rhode Island professor, Eric Loomis, that said math and statistics was inherently racist. Mm. Um, Jonathan Turley had this story. And so what this professor said, Natalie Gosnell, as an astrophysicist, I'm a product of institutions that are steeped in systemic racism and white supremacy. The tenets of white supremacy that show up of individualism and exceptionalism and perfectionism is either or thinking and there's no subtlety there's no gray area uh, I'm left scratching my head I still don't understand um, it I don't know I mean you do have like these scary sounding things like dark matter and black holes oh but it's a good thing that we live in the Milky Way sounds pretty racist to me hmm it's also ableist. Why do they have to call them dwarf stars? <laughs> <laughs> but she also objected to metaphors that she believes reflect a violent and hyper-masculine bias. Hmm. I don't know what that means. But yeah. And I, you wonder what is going to be racist next. I did not have astrophysics today, so I lose that bet. <laughs> Holy smokes. All right, Robin, you ready for your big three of the day? Yeah, let's roll. Okay, let's do it. Are you ready? One, One two, buckle my shoe It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day this time, Scott Robbins with his top three and helped by his hero in life. Hey. I'm Casey Kasem. Hey, buddy. Did you watch the game last night? Did you stay up? Yes. No, oh, good. Not much of a game. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Three. Number three, CNN wants to hire a comedy host for primetime, ripping off Fox News, it looks like. Yeah, after Greg Gutfield's kicking everybody's fanny around yeah. the house. Uh, CNN now is mulling over a venture into late-night comedy. Hmm. They are talking to the likes of Bill Maher, Trevor Noah, Arsenio Hall, Jon Stewart, are some of the names being mentioned. By the way, uh, Arsenio apparently doesn't have any interest in this. He's already said so. And I'm giving their primetime has been offering laughs for years. I don't know what the difference would be. So this would run right at... Yeah. Against Gutfeld? Against Gutfeld, yeah. Which means they would be then also competing with Fallon yeah. and Kimmel. Yeah. And Colbert. And Colbert, yeah. Um, ESPN is perhaps going to shift to soap operas now, too, at 
<laughs> We're getting closer and closer yeah. to number one. The Scott Robbins trifecta up to number two. Uh, number two, no timetable for the retirement of Tom Brady. This is interesting because you guys watched the game last night. Yeah. And if you were to be asked after the game was over, should Brady retire, what would your answer be? Yeah. Yeah, me too. David, same here? Same nah, here. man, let it ride. Okay, let it go one more. Why not? Already wrecked my house. <laughs> I mean, Why not? He, yeah, he already left his family. I mean, what yeah. else do you have to lose? Football's all he's got. Well, he said he's going to go home, get a good night's sleep. He said, as good as I can tonight. So this is all I've been focused on, this game. It'll just be one day at a time, truly. Now, if you remember a year ago, he decided to call it a career, but after 40 days of being retired, he decided that ditching the family was worth it. These past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. That sounds like a guy that's going to keep playing. Yeah, and, and I don't... This is the thing, man. You mentioned this earlier, Jamie, and I believe this is true. If we can all remember... Michael Jordan, Washington Wizards, and how sad that was. Well, and it's not that he didn't have good games as a no. Wizard player, but you you didn't want to remember him that way. No. And, and he can do whatever he wants. But, man, you know, I had like three group texts going last night with different people, and everybody had the same thought of, dude, you threw away your family for this. Yeah. You could have went out on top. Why? Yeah. It's Willie Mays stumbling around with the Mets in the outfield. Well, and I know that that whole team, the Buccaneers team, is not that great all the way around. Pretty good. Okay. But that pick he threw in the end zone, that cost him big. Well, Raider fans, I guess there's rumor he may be into being in Las Vegas. I don't know. We'll Interesting. See. By the way, on Tom Brady, before you move off of that, mm-hmm. even Fox had this story that people were <laughs> not happy with his slide tackle attempt. What was that all about, by the way? Well, did you see it? Yeah. So and that was the play that the receiver was ruled down, but after he was down, he fumbles. Cowboy yeah. player picks it up, and then Brady attempts to tackle him, like by sliding and kicking him like a soccer player. Mm-hmm. People are like, "What's that? Wrong football, Tom? Really? That's embarrassing." It was pretty embarrassing, mm-hmm. but so was his quarterback. He realized he's it's only down when he slides himself on the play, yes. not sliding at someone. Yes. I'm sorry, David, that you lost that bet. Right, I'm really right. sorry that you doubled the bet at halftime. That's all right. Wow. I couldn't believe he did. I couldn't believe he did that, Van Camp. I thought I, thought I called one eight hundred bets off in, <laughs> I mean, in your I'm, honor. I'm sitting here about to say a hundred dollars on the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season. <laughs> Tom Brady. Tom Please Brady's do. gonna do it. Let's do it. Now on with the countdown. <laughs> Scott Robbins action. trifecta. All right. Top three of the day and up to number one. Uh, number one, a fast food chain is going cashless for the drive-thru. Yeah, it may not sound like a big deal. Uh, the management, by the way, at Portillo's is telling people that change is only being made to speed up customer service. But, of course, is that really the reason? Recent events suggest otherwise. Chicago's already done this. When you hit the Portillo's drive-thru, make sure you got your debit or credit card. Uh, starting this Monday, every Portillo's location will be cashless in the drive-thrus. Hmm. Uh, so you want to get those fries faster, they said? Well, this is what's going to happen. I mean, it sounds nice, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. The alternate explanation, of course, which is out there right now, is that over the past couple of years, the crime rates have been skyrocketing, and drive through windows are a common target now for thieves to stick the gun through the window yeah. and empty the cash and put it in my sack, and I'm going to drive off. So just by telling everyone, we have no cash in here. Right. Would stop people from putting a gun up there if they got no cash. So they have no reason to go there. 
Got it. And st- and you're you're seeing this everywhere in a lot of different places now. Well, I think it's also, I mean, isn't part of it what we've heard is you don't have to hire people. You 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 can not only make it cashless, you can have basically a robot do that gig. Yeah. Seeing that at McDonald's all over the place. Yeah. Well, they don't have to make change either. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, which is an arduous task. I mean, the fight for fifteen or sixteen dollars an hour, and the fast food company is like, no, we, there's another way we could do this and save a whole lot of money. Well, I know when I went to Kansas City last summer for the Royals games, there was no cash in the stadium. You couldn't bring money. No, your money's no good here, sir. Yes. No, no. We're still ticked about it. I think we've only heard about that 27 times now. <laughs> and there you, you just have heard it. for the 28th time, and there'll be two more after that, I promise you. The over-under for 2023, David, another 15 times? Oh, please, at least 20. <laughs> they suck. Did I tell you in Kansas City, they didn't take cash? You are they a cash didn't. guy. I know. I understand. I had my debit card. I understand. We all have our things, man. All right. Got to get to a news update. And Nimrod's in the news. Straight ahead. Van Camp and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. And another news update, David Van Camp. Uh, well, Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, folded up her notebook and walked out. I'll come talk to me later. Oh, buddy. Yeah, they're getting a little bit flustered as the document scandal with Joe Biden uh, keeps rolling along. Now, uh, today, she was asked some rather pointed questions from some people who have been fairly Biden-friendly for the last couple of years, which, again, is one of those, like, siren kind of moments where you're thinking, okay, what is actually happening right now? Somebody's getting marching orders. Uh, And she was actually asked point-blank if she's being told to lie about the documents because she didn't, uh, she said last week, all the documents that you know about, that's all they found. And then we right. find out over the weekend that as she was saying that, actually the White House knew that there were more documents that had been found. They just didn't fess up to it. So this isn't Peter Ducey from Fox asking no. this question. This is, I think it's Cecilia Vega from ABC News. Wow. Okay. Did you not know on Friday that those documents had been found when you were at the podium? Or are you being directed by someone to not be forthcoming on this issue? I'm, I have been forthcoming from this podium. What I uh, said yes to was what the statement at the time that we all had, right? You all had the statement. Uh, and I was repeating what the what the uh, council was sharing at that time. Right, and had, so we had that statement, so we knew what was in it. But you also exactly. knew. Did you not know that? I'm telling you, I just answered the question. I just said that I was repeating what the information. I was reading, okay, like I always do. I just read what's given to me. That's mm-hmm. what she really wants to say. The information that we had at that time, right, that you all had, I was confirming from what the special counsel had provided to all of you and that we knew as well from here. So just to be very, very clear. Uh, and look, I've also been very clear about being prudent from here. <laughs> prudent again. Yes. So if you're just joining us, 
as we've been following this along for the last 40 minutes or so. That's prudent, what, six or seven times? Uh, I think that's seven by my count. Seven, okay. We might have to have a full accounting and montage tomorrow. Yes. Well, I know you'll be prudent when it comes to it. I will be prudent. You bet. And I appreciate that. The one question I have right now for Karine Jean-Pierre, I mean a pro's pro here, (laughs) is if you're not going to go any deeper than what's on the written statement, why go out at all? Hey, I read you the statement. Right. You had it. Well, what else do you want me to say? Well, do you have nothing else? I think if someone is, I don't know, if someone is actually more skilled at the job, you can go out there and say, look, I'm not answering any more questions about it. But you have to be more concise mm-hmm. in your answer because she rambles for over a minute at a time going in circles. You can just say, look, this is up to the White House counsel uh, and now the special counsel that's been. Uh, appointed by the DOJ. I refer all questions to them. I'm not going to talk about it from the podium. If you want to ask about something else going on, I'll be more than happy to answer your questions, but that's all you're getting from me. I'm telling you, dude, you'd be way better at that job. I would would never want that job. I know that. But you would be better at it. Well... That's a low bar, though, David. I, you know, I don't want to like break saying, it to you, but it's like saying I'd be better at t-ball, you know, than a, than a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. All right, we got to get the Nimrods. Roll it out. When the going gets tough, damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley Van Camp and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right, Nimrods the news. Well, we start Pebble Beach, California. YouTuber, influencer, Corey Shrew. She uh, was celebrating her birthday, got hammered, started getting belligerent. Security said, hey, you're going to have to return to your room. No! So then they had to call the cops. Mm. So they're going to arrest her. You know, it's always a good idea. Kick a cop while they're trying to arrest you. That's not a good idea. So she's been arrested on several charges. Public intoxication, trespassing, resisting arrest, battery on an officer. Um, yeah, Why is it whenever you say social media influencer, all of us kind of get that same sort of yeah. feeling like, yeah, probably not a not great good. person. Yeah. yeah. And then a strange story um, in Iowa outside of Des Moines. Uh, Des Moines News had it in Ankeny. A woman was thought to be dead, taken to a funeral home. Then the staff realized, uh, she's not dead. Oh, God. She's still alive. Uh, it's always one of your worst fears. God dang right. <laughs> All good now. And that's Nimrods in the News.